chapter 5, verse 17. And again, we welcome everyone. And uh, I know uh, Pastor Larry said that there was just one person, Aboki, I believe is your name. Is that your name? Welcome. You're most welcome. But for those of you that don't know, Revelation has been, uh, she's also a new guest. <laughs> she's been gone for about three weeks now. And did you bring your husband back? I don't see him. You brought him back. Oh, praise God. Okay. You have to ask those questions these days. You don't know. <laughs> he may have, she may have treated him in while she was in Syria alone. <laughs> Upgraded. Okay. <laughs> That's for such as upgrade. Okay. <laughs> praise God. Romans 5.17. Praise God. Amen. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Give me verse 18. Let me see what that says. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. I don't know what you receive for Christmas. If you are happy or disappointed, but you need to know that God gave you a gift. Yes, sir. Amen. And he gave you the best gift possible. Yes. The gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So this morning, I just want to speak to us on the core values for 2020 what will be our core values for 2020? Usually the phrase core values is used to describe fundamental beliefs of a person or organization. And the expectation is that these beliefs or guiding principles will dictate behavior. So most organizations, the organizations will have what they call core values. And the expectation is that those core values will help shape or determine or guide as principles behavior for that organization. For you and I, our identity is in Christ Jesus. So we are not going to just dream of a core value outside of who we are. Amen? So our core values must be Christ-centered, Christ-based, because they were all Christ-bought. Did you hear me? So our core values for 2020, and shall I say just some of them, because we really can't address all of them in one service, uh, but what I consider to be the cornerstone or the most important core values for us for this year, four of them, I want to address them. But I want you to understand that all of this are found in our Jesus identity. Amen. That's why I read that scripture in Romans 5, 17. The the, the greatest gift of all is the foundation for everything Jesus. And that is the gift of righteousness. For any man or any person, any woman that is born again, you received that gift, whether you know it or not. And as a result of having received that gift, there are certain mm, expectations, if we will, Amen. or there are certain things that the gifts just make happen for you. Amen? Amen. Um, 
uh, in Genesis chapter 37, I don't, we don't need to go there. I just quote this quickly and I, I move on because I have, I need to, I need to uh, mi be mindful. The Bible says, this is the generation of Jacob, Joseph, okay? And then when you read on in that passage in Genesis 37, the Bible talks about how Joseph loved his son, or rather Jacob loved his son, Jacob loved his son, and gave him what? A coat of many colors. Now, speaking by revelation now, when you go back and look at that coat of many colors, what, what is the, significant, the significance of that coat? That coat of many colors was Jacob's token of his love for Joseph. Every time Joseph looked at that robe or that coat of many colors, he remembered his father's love. Are you guys here this morning? Yes. Every time he got dressed and put on that coat, immediately the coat reminded him of the love that gave it. And as a result of that, Joseph behaved in particular, peculiar ways that his brothers did not. Mm. The coat that he wore, which symbolized to me and you today, the righteousness that his father gave him made him, Joseph, distinct, different, and peculiar from his other brothers who did not have the coat. His righteousness, if you will, caused him to be different. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Therefore, we are not surprised that Joseph loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Yeah. Yeah. For which he quickly told his father, these boys are misbehaving. Absolutely. Why? He's different. So what I'm saying to us this morning is, you and I as born again people, if we are born again, and for, if you are not born again, you need to receive the free gift. Yeah. And you receive it by simply believing that Jesus Christ paid the price in full for your sins and wash you by the power of his blood and upon believing that he gives you his, his name John, 11, John 1 12 as many as loved him no he came to his own and his own received him not but to as many as received him to them he gave the power to become the children of God even to them that believe on his name so you can be born again simply by believing on what Jesus has done in your behalf so the point I'm making this morning is there are core values that's associated with righteousness. The fact that you and I have received the robe of righteousness, Isaiah chapter 61, means that there are certain things that that gift works in us so that we can work them out. Did you hear the phrase? He works those things in us so that we can work them out. It's not just him working them in us and we just passive, nothing else happens. We don't want to shortchange the gift. We want to receive the gift, embrace the gift, and allow him to work the gift in us so he can work the gift through us. Amen. So number one core value, praying. We will be a people, we will be a tribe that prays in 2020. We will be a tribe that prays in 2020. Jesus himself said in Luke 18:1, men ought to always pray and not to faint. Honor the old covenant. 
People believed on a priest or a person to represent him before God. And therefore, they did not have any responsibility whatsoever. They went to a priest, the priest went to God. They paid a priest, the priest went to God. Today, we still have prayer contractors. I hope you know that. The body of Christ is filled with people who are prayerless and who instead depends on prayer contractors. You think you come to church, you have a pastor, you have a bishop, you have a pope, you have somebody, you just say, Pastor Charles, pray for me. And you never take the responsibility. You are not living up to your righteousness. You are not living up to your core value as a righteous person. Because the Bible says in James 5, 16, that the effectual righteous prayer of a righteous man avails much. So you see that what I'm sharing with you in these core values come as a result of your righteousness because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. So when we say praying as a core value, we are not trying to get a core value from Apple or from IBM or General Motors. Righteousness means you understand who you are, the gift you received, and as a result of that, you talk back to God. That's what prayer is all about, talking back to God. So I'm saying in 2020, me and you, all of us as a body, must change our mindset. Don't call on a pastor or a deacon or brother, sister, or so-called intercessor, which I have a lot to say about that, but I will will say that for some other day, which is another translation for hired contractors. When, in fact, God is saying, I want to hear from you. I want you to talk with me. I want you to develop a relationship with me. What will, be, what, what will it be like for you to have, as parents to have kids at home? They don't talk to you. They come from school, they go to a room, shut the door. You see them at lunchtime, dinner time, any other time. You, have, you yourself as a parent say, man, something's wrong with these kids. They're being detached. They're not engaged. You, you are saying that now as a parent. You are complaining now as a parent because your kids are detached. They are not engaged. You don't like it. How do you think of feels? Who lives inside of us? And yet we totally, completely ignore him. And when we have issues and problems, we go to Pastor Charles, Pastor Bank, Pastor Tosin, Pastor Sharon. We go to everybody else but him. And he's saying, ah, I'm here. This is the reason for which I sent my son to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. This is why I made you to become in union together with him because now you are one with him. And therefore now I want you to have his mind and you only get that through interaction with me. Hebrews 4, 16. Put that on the, note, on the board, please, on the screen. Hebrews 4, 16. Thank you. Man, wow, this is fast, rapid fire. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Do you see that? This is an invitation. God says, come boldly to where that throne of grace. What is grace? God's unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor, or according to Acts 20, 24, the incredible, extravagant generosity of God. Come to the throne where? Where God is going to be incredibly extravagantly generous to you. Why would you not want to go to a place like that? This is an invitation. Come boldly.
boldly, not timidly. With boldness, why? Because you have that gift. Your password to get in is your gift. The gift of righteousness is your password to enter this bold throne. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me God has already factored your mistakes. He's already factored your shortcomings. He's already know you're going to mess up. So he didn't say come to be judged. He said come to where? To obtain what? Mercy. Because you are going to need it. Yes. He already knows you're going to need it. He said, but come so I can pour over mercy on you. And find grace. Not only you, will, you, will we mess up, we're going to get found in situations where we don't know what to do. He said, I'll give you grace to help in time of need. Give me that scripture in Amplified. Amplified Classified, AMPC. Let me see how it says it. Let us there fearlessly and confidently boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to all sinners. Now, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm no longer a sinner. <laughs> if I'm the one writing Amplified today, I'll change that. Delete, amen, I like that. <laughs> that we may receive mercy for our failures. We still fail. And find grace to help in good time. For every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. That's what prayer does. When you are praying, you're not trying to get hold of God. He already has hold of you. You must understand that. You must understand that position. You are not trying to get a hold of God. Where, really? Where did he go? He never left. Praying is to get hold of you, to apprehend you, to finally start thinking like God thinks. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. I guess I better give you the verse. That helps, huh? Give this to me in a Passion's translation, TPT. <laughs> Thank you. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us into his most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. You can do that boldly and without hesitation. Why? Because you have the gift. You have the gift of righteousness. That's what allows you entry. Verse 20. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us a free and fresh access to him. My friends, this year, don't deny your access. Don't deny the access God has given you. Use it boldly in the place and realm of prayer. Amen? Amen. Number two, core value. Given. Given. I know for some of you, you almost had a heart attack when you heard a word. <laughs> Given. Give me, Proverbs, no, give me some study, 7 verse 21. 
Psalm 37, verse 21. Psalms 37, verse 21. Hallelujah. Psalms 37, 37. You don't have it? I, I didn't hear what it said. Oh, okay. Your computer is not working? Give me, let me, let me go to Psalms 37. <laughs> Praise God for technology. Psalm 37, verse 21. Uh, the wicked borrows and does not repay. But the righteous shows mercy and gives. Remember I told you, these four core values must be found in righteousness. We're righteous people. So we're not going to try to import any core value outside of the realm or outside of the, of the righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus. So the Bible says, us, says to us here in Psalm 37 verse 21, the wicked borrows and does not repay. I know there's no such person here. All of you guys are paying your bills. <laughs> but the righteous shows mercy and gives. Thank you, you found it. Another one, Proverbs 21, verse 26. Proverbs 21, verse 26. Thank you. He converts greedily all day long. How about the righteous? But the righteous gives and does not spare. So in 2020, one of our core values is number one, to pray. And by that, let me even say that. Let me go back to that for one quick second. At 10 o'clock is when church starts. That's when we pray. 10 a.m. Um, can I just encourage you, leave the corridors in the Friendship Avenue. Come inside the sanctuary. Come and pray. Come and pray. And this year, we're going to have times and concerts of prayer on quarterly basis, just to help us along, to give us handles. Amen? Amen. Yeah. You're here at 10 o'clock, 12.30, you're out of here. You still have your whole day free. Two and a half hours, once a week? Are you kidding me? Some of, some of us did that every, every day. Okay, well, let me leave that So, Proverbs 21, 26, he converts greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. So, as righteous people, we are not only going to be prayers, we are going to be givers. Amen. Now, we taught this a while back, but let me just touch this again very quickly. There are still people that struggle with this issue of tithing as it relates to giving. Should I tithe? Should I not tithe? Is tithing today? Is it not today? All of that stuff. I thought we slayed that Goliath, but there are people that still struggle with it. I remember years ago, as a born again believer, I was taught and I was told. Bank, the 10% is compulsory. If you don't give it, you are cursed with a curse. And I said, Bible for it. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. If you don't tithe, you are cursed. 
I heard it, I, I must have heard that thing for about 15 years. Amen. Church after church after church. And so I gave the tithe out of fear. I didn't want to be cursed. Okay. Show of hand. How many people here want to be cursed? Let me see your hands. Nobody. Nobody. So because they said, if you don't tithe, you are cursed. Hey, by the jerk. If my tithe was $10 and 17 cents, that's some, it better not be $10 and 16 cents. Because that one cent you didn't give could be the one that God is going to use to beat your head down. Say. Yeah. But let's go to the scriptures. First John chapter 4, in verse 16. Give me that verse 16 in the, in the, in the Passion Translation, TPT. First John 4, 16. Thank you. We have come into an intimate experience with her. With God's fear? Oh, no, 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 no. With God's fear? And we trust in the fear? We trust in the love he has for us. God is what? No, it must be fear. Ah, I thought God is sitting in heaven with a hammer. He's very upset and angry. He's looking for someone to, to kill today, to send to hell. I better not say this, because some of you, I'll just lose you immediately. Let me, let me leave it there and move on. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God. And God lives through them. Let me help you out today. Simple gospel message. Any message you hear from me or anybody else, no matter how high you put them, if it generates fear in you, it's not the gospel. Ah, you guys are left. God is love. Love does not generate fear. It only generates love. So when someone tells you that unless you tithe, you are cursed with a curse, to scare you into giving, that is not God. Amen. Okay. Can, can we read a few more verses? Amen. Give me First John 4, verse 18. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. Hey, if I don't tithe, Lord Jesus, I forgot to write the 16 cents on the $10. <laughs> if you don't give it, your refrigerator will break down when you get home. That's what they used to tell us. True story. That if you rob God in not paying your tithe, your car will break down. And you, you'll give that money anyway. Has anybody else heard that or it's just me? Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, you cannot find one human being that I know who will say that because they tithe, God did this. In fact, in fact, when you hear those testimonies, it's about what they did, not what Jesus did. I tithe, I. And then God did something. Really? God needs me in order to do something? That argument is so flawed. 
is terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Hmm. Okay. Let's go back to the favorite given scripture, Malachi chapter 3. I know there are very Malachites here. <laughs> you need to hear this first. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 10. Let's go there. Let's just go to the jugular. Will any man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offering. As a result of robbing God, what happens? You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Let, let's just stop there. I don't want to answer that, that verse. Let the Bible answer it. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 10 in the, in, the, in the TPT. Verse 10 in the TPT. Thank you. So for those of us who have been taught about tithing, we are hung up on tithing. We live and die on tithing. This is what Paul says to you. But if you choose to live in bondage under the legalistic rule of religion, you live under the lost cause. Translation, translation, let me translate that. For those who still believe intently hold on to the idea of tithing, which is under the law, Paul says you, are already on, you live under the law and therefore you are already cursed. Oh. I didn't say it. That's what the scripture says. Because tithing is under the law. And therefore if I choose to remove myself from under grace, and go under the law to tithe. If you choose, because it's a choice. It's a choice you and I make. If you choose to live in bondage, why is it a bondage? Because I make $100 a week. I can't even think of giving $9. I'm under the bondage, I must write a check for 10 Anything less than 10 I've not fulfilled the law. I'm under bondage. If you live in money under 10 you live under the lost cost, for it is clearly written. Not just cost, utterly cost. Are you seeing that? Yeah. Utterly cost is everyone who fails to practice every detail and requirement that is written in this law. So if I'm going to fulfill the law of tithing, hello, you must fulfill all the other laws. Absolutely. That's the problem. That's why Jesus came. No one could fulfill, not all of the laws. No one. No one. So he says, if you fail in one, you fail in all. Ah, let's read on. Give me verses 14 through 18. No, verse 14 and verse 18. Give me that in the Amplified, please. Verse 14 in Amplified. Thank you. To the end that through their receiving Christ Jesus, that blessing, promised to Abraham, might call upon the Gentiles. So that we through faith might all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, Jesus Christ has come to redeem us from the curse of the law. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. He has come to redeem us. So you and I no longer have to live under the the rigid dictates of the law. That's why Jesus came. He said, you cannot fulfill all of the law 
Therefore, I fulfill it for you, and now you find your fulfillment and your, your satisfaction in my, in my perfect obedience. Amen. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. Give me verse 18. For if the inheritance of the promise depends on observing the law, as these false teachers would like you to believe, it no longer depends on the promise. However, God gave it to Abraham as a free gift solely by virtue of his promise. Give me that verse 18 in the TPT. Watch this. <laughs> Galatians 3, 18. I think computer is playing tricks on them over there. Galatians chapter 3, verse 18. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> uh. Three eighteen in the passion. Okay, what it says. It says this means that the covenant between God and Abraham was fulfilled in Messiah and cannot be altered. Yet the written law was not given even to Moses until 430 years later, after God had signed his contract with Abraham. The law then doesn't supersede the promise since the royal proclamation was given before the law. If that were the case, it would have nullified what God said to Abraham. Now, this last sentence is what I want to really uh, focus on. In the TPT, TPT, Galatians 3.18, TPT. Oh, okay, all right, thank you. This last sentence is what, what's critical. We receive all the promises because of the promised one, not because we keep the law. Jesus is the central figure, central reason you and I get anything from God. Don't ever forget that. Now, the teaching was because you tithe, you are blessed. If that's the case, you, you, walk up, you, you, you walk for your own blessing. And that's not true. We just read it. Everything we receive from God is because of the promised one, not because you did anything for it. Now, for years, after I came to understand the issue of tithing and giving, I still wrestled with the issue of Abraham who tithe before the law. So I always went back and said, well, if Abraham did it before the law, then that means I can do it now. Until maybe the last couple of years when I understood. First of all, the fact that Abraham tithe before the law makes the case. It makes the point. What's the point I mean? He was not tithing. He did not tithe when he tithed because there was a stipulation to do so. He did it apart from the law. There was no obligation. There was no stipulation. There was nothing that said you have to do it. 
He did it as a voluntary response of the righteousness of God in him. He did not do it in order to get blessed. He did it because he was blessed. Humongous difference. It was not a debt to pay. It was a gratitude to give. He wasn't trying to pay God. I owe a thousand dollars. I owe God hundred. You really? <laughs> you owe him the whole thousand and your breath. Yes. He wasn't giving a tithe because he was about to pay the rent to, to, to go to heaven. No. It was voluntary. He didn't give it to receive a blessing. He gave it because he was already blessed. Now, if someone came to me today and said, God said to give 10%, absolutely, you're free to do so. If God told you to do that, you're free. But don't tell me that God is stipulating, obligating that you must at the expense of being cursed. That's not true. That is absolutely not true. There's no Bible for it. Not in the New Testament. Now, like I said, you can choose to give any percentage you want. You can even say to me, God says I should give 10. That's fine. That's you. That's fine. If God told you to, fine. But don't tell me that Charles has to do it. Dr. Norfolk has to do it. I have to. No! This is your dealing, your relationship with God. This is where you are. Amen. Don't make that a doctrine for the entire body of Christ. It is a lie. So how should we give as a core value? We know we need to pray, and we must give. We know the righteous gives. That being the case, how should we give? We give out of a heart of gratitude. Amen. We give as a result of a love relationship. We give in appreciation, not out of obligation. We give because I say, God, you have given me so much. You have blessed me so much. You have been so good to me. And because I am aligned with your thoughts, plans, and purpose for the earth, I understand it takes money to advance your frontiers, to advance your kingdom. Therefore, with joy, out of what you've blessed me, I give to you hilariously, cheerfully, delightfully, not under any obligation. People asking me all these funny questions, religious questions. Okay, well, if, if tithing is no longer for that, how do we do uh, envelopes, tithes and offering? He says tithes and offering. Uh, shall... What kind of question is that? <laughs> Whatever you give, all of what you give is an offering. Yes. Period. End of story. If out of $100 you used to give $10 in tithe and $2 in offering, give $12. It's all an offering. How do we complicate things? It's no complication. Everything I give is an offering to God. Yes, Period. End of story. Everything is an offering. Now, how shall I give? Honor the covenant of grace. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 7 through 11.
give that to me in the amplified. Can we get that? Is that possible? Ah, thank you. I can't take this thing for granted any longer. <laughs> Every time you get it right, I need to say thank you. <laughs> Can I ask you further to give it to me in the MPC with the C on it? Amplified classic? Ah, thank you very much. <laughs> I can't take this for granted again. No. <laughs> Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind. Can you believe that? God is leaving it up to you as you've made up in his own, your own mind. Ah, let me give you a little clue from the teaching that's yet to come. Because if you have the mind of Christ, <laughs> if you have the mind of Christ, you now give not based on your selfish, self-centered interest. You give according to the mind of Christ that's living in you. Because remember, how, what was the mind of Christ? The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was the kind of mind that was him? For God so gave himself. He gave his son. He gave himself. God was not selfish. He gave his only begotten son. So Paul says, let each one, as he has made up in his own mind, remember you have the mind of Christ. And purpose in your heart that the work of my father, the work of the kingdom will not lack, will not suffer. Mm. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. Amen. Can we say that with boldness? Not, not on my watch. Not on my watch. <laughs> the king's business will not lack, not on my watch. Yeah. When I recognize what the king has done for me. Yeah. Oh my God. When I understand the poverty from which he brought me. When I understand how useless, wretched, miserable I was, and he put himself on the line to redeem me, yeah. at what cost? Not reluctantly, or sorrowfully, or under compulsion, preachers will lie to you and tell you all kinds of stories to put you on that guilt that you have to give. For God loves he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without, oh my God, a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. That's the key. Yeah. Your heart being in your giving. Yeah. When I used to write those tight checks, I just wrote the check. I better give it to UPS. Take the check. Just take the check out of my hand. Your heart was not in it. You just throw the thing, you lift the envelope, you send it away. But when you give, joyfully, cheerfully, delightfully, with pleasure, your heart is in your giving because you are sending that gift to go do something. Yes. That gift is on a mission. Yes. To go and rescue somebody, to go and save somebody, to go and deliver somebody, to go and bring joy to somebody's heart. It's a totally different ball game. You don't wait for people to say you should give. No. In some of our religious traditional settings, we have the audacity, all the tithers come forward for prayer. <laughs> Listen, I have been in those churches. I have been there, I'm sitting down. And there's a special prayer for tithers. Ah! 
counseling myself, look, look, look at bondage. <laughs> so they pray, special prayer for tithers. Translation, people under the law. The only prayer that should be prayed for them is deliverance. The rest of the congregation that's not tidy, they are looking there and saying, hey, we can't get this, but this is a special prayer. It's not for us. Is that the heart of God? No. <laughs> I mean, God help our foolishness. Ah! God help us. So in the new covenant, you give out of joy, out of a heart of gratitude, you do so willingly because you are grateful for what God has done for you. Now, there are four times in the scriptures in the New Testament where tithe is mentioned, four times. Three in the Gospels and one in the book of Hebrew. None of them, none of them is a scripture to compel us to tithe. I don't have time to get into that. So two core values we dealt with. Praying will be men and women of prayer. Amen. Giving will be men and women of giving. Amen. And that can begin today in Jesus' name. Amen. Three, number three core value. I need to rush now. Number three, serving one another. Serving one another. Galatians 5.13. Galatians 5.13. Give that to me in one of my fancy translations. Galatians 5.13. TPT. Thank you. Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. It's true. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in a natural realm. This is what I found out. As we began to transit into the covenant of grace, many people became lax. And what that meant was for them to go on spiritual vacation. No longer need to serve. No longer need to function in the church. I'm just enjoying this grace of God. Question, can your house, your home, where you live, can you run like that? Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all we do. That's the essence of the liberty and freedom that we now enjoy. I'm free from all my personal hang-ups. I'm now free to express love to Charlie, to Derek, to everyone that needs my love as God has given me the grace and the ability to do so. Amen. That's what righteousness does. Righteousness serves. In 2020, I pray in Jesus' name, you find a place to plug in. Amen. So we will not just be spiritual loafers, Thank you, but I will engage with a gift of God, this gift that God has given us, to serve one another. It is only as we serve one another that the body is edified, or translation, grows. Yes, sir. Give me First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. First Peter 4, 10, TPT again, huh? if you don't mind. First Peter 4, verse 10. <laughs> First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Thank you, sir. 
Now, can we just manage to change that to TPT? Ah! Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I must be a grateful one. Gratitude man. <laughs> Amen. Because technology can mess you up. Every believer has received what? Grace gives. So, use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many colored tapestry of God's grace. My goodness. Look at what the scripture is saying to us. All of us has a gift. And so the Bible says, use your gift. Give me verse 11. Amen. For example, I like Peter. He gives you, he breaks it down. <laughs> if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God was speaking his words through you. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately. That's the underlying word, passionately. Don't go walk in the children's ministry with a meanful, wicked attitude like a snake. And look at that child and say, you stupid little off chain if I grab your neck. Hallelujah. We, we don't have such in our children's ministry. I'm talking about those other churches. <laughs> we don't have such people here. With passion. Whatever you do, if you're just sending people, do it, Pastor. Oh, man, it's good to see you this morning. I'm so glad you came. You, Bless man. God. Thank you, Pastor. I say, what this guy? You are here again. <laughs> Don't do that. With passion. People can see passion. Amen. Amen. And they can see it when you're faking it. Yes. They can see it when you're faking it. Yes. I say, do it passionately with the strength God gives you. That's the key. No, you are not doing it out of your selfish, natural self. You are using the ability. Remember, it's a grace gift, which means it's God doing it. So you are using your grace gift to serve with passion. So that in everything, God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. Amen. For to him belong the power and the glory forever throughout all ages. Amen. If you're not already plugged in, see Pastor Ibeke, Pastor Larry, Omanari, they show you where you can get plugged in. We all need to be serving one another so the body can grow in Jesus' name. Amen. We can pray, we can give, we should serve, and lastly, we must share. Amen. I know I'm beyond my time a little bit, but let me just finish this, please. We must share. Proverbs 11, verse 30. Proverbs 11, verse 30, Amplified Classic. Proverbs 11, 30. Remember, all these four core values come out of our righteousness, which is found in Christ Jesus. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Okay. While technology is catching up. <laughs> Proverbs 11, verse 30. Okay. In the Amplified Classic. Here we go. The fruit of the uncompromisingly righteous is a tree of life. Yeah. And he 
who is wise captures human lives. For God, as a fisher of men, he gathers and receives them for eternity. That's why I like that translation. Proverbs 11, verse 30. Proverbs 11, verse 30, 30. Thank you. Thank you. For the fruit of the uncompromising righteous is a tree of life. And he who is wise captures human lives for God. As a fisher of men, he gathers and receives them for eternity. He gathers and receives them for eternity. God has placed his light in us. Amen. And he wants you and I to help spread that light everywhere. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verses 17 through 21, you can give, me to, give this to me in NKJV. Ah, you got it? Okay, fine, fine. Leave it there, leave it there. Don't move it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Therefore, if any person is engrafted into Christ's Messiah, it's a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral, spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Verse 18. But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Every man here, every woman has a ministry. Amen. Every one of us have a ministry. What is it called? The ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? Two people that are estranged from one another, we reconcile them. The world or the unbelievers estranged from God because of unbelief. God says, he's given me and you the ministry to bring them back together, to bring those people to God. That's an awesome responsibility. Amen. We should not take it lightly. Amen. We should not take it lightly. We should be constantly, regularly praying for God to give you and our opportunities to share. That should be a very important aspect of our prayer. Why? Because this is what moves the heart of God. This is what makes God God. It's love for the lost humanity. So what moves him should move us when we have his mind. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That by the word and deed. Do you see that? Both word and deed. You say it, you do it. Word and deed. We might aim to bring others into harmony with him. Ah! Give me verse 21. I know time is gone. Verse 21. Same chapter, verse 21. I mean, I'm sorry, verse 20. Look at what it says. Do you want to know who you are this morning? You are an ambassador. Amen. Oh, no, you're not excited about that. Amen. He's an ambassador. Do you, do you know what it means to be an ambassador? Oh, yes. Represent President Trump. Oh. <laughs> do, do you hear my GOP chairman? <laughs> we send you to Iraq to go and represent him in Iraq now. <laughs> no, seriously. When we look the, on human terms, what ambassadors enjoy. Case some point, recently, the wife of a diplomat in, of the US in the UK 
drove on the wrong side of the road and killed a human being. She killed a human being. Have they been able to try her? No. Was she wrong in what she did? Yes. What is her saving grace? Immunity. Why was she immune? She does not belong to the realm in which she was living. <laughs> She's an American living in England. But she lived there as a U.S. representative in England, but she does not belong in England. So she was not subject to the laws of England. And she carefully flew back to the United States. And they stay here since then, till now. The Brits are shouting, crying, clamoring, come back for justice. No, there's no such thing. Translate that to you. You are an ambassador, not of this mini puny United States, who has only very limited resources, but God is saying, you are the ambassador of heaven with all of heaven's resources at your disposal. Amen. My God. Amen. You speak and the angel said, yes, amen. amen. We just don't know who we are. We are Christ's ambassador. God making his appeal as it were though through you. We as Christ's Personal representatives. Oh my God, would you like anything if you are a representative of Jesus? No. Nothing. Every tool you need to succeed will be at your fingertip because he supplies them. He's begging you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you so that people can be reconciled to God. We are prayers in 2020, we are givers in 2020, we are servers in 2020, and we are sharers of the faith in 2020. So be it in Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen.